everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. It is a crossover edition. We have Steven Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs and John Williams of Locked On Sooners. We take a look at the entire Big 12, where things sit as we are halfway through the season. A big injury update also in the Big 12 Conference that we project what we think will happen the rest of the season. All that and more coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Big 12. Your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast, Stephen Simcox, Locked On Horn Frogs, and John Williams, Locked On Sooners. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline and BetOnline.net. We're going to talk about some odds in the show today, but uh, you guys want to get in on the action. BetOnline is the best place to do it. All right, gentlemen. So we're, you know, everybody's kind of almost halfway through the Big 12 season. You are, you either are halfway through or you're five games through, about to be halfway through. Just some impressions about the league as a whole. Like, I know you guys obviously have your specific teams, but I, I know I've been kind of speaking into the void. I talked to others, but speaking into the void about my thoughts on the league as a whole. So, Stephen, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on this year's Big 12. Well, I mean, there's a lot of years where I feel like we say the league is wide open, but at the end of the season, you sort of look up and it's like, oh, that's who I thought was going to win. But I don't really have a read on it right now. I think everybody has some flaws. You know, Oklahoma State and K-State, to me, seem like the most complete teams at the moment. Uh, But I certainly think there's a recipe to beat both those teams. Oklahoma State's defense looks a little shaky. K-State, I just feel like if you can find a way to slow down their run game, and you can hang with them. We saw Iowa State sort of take them to the wire. And then, you know, sort of the dark horse is is Texas um, with Quinn Ewers back and that offense fully healthy. They looked really good. Um, I'll let John expand on Oklahoma. I don't really know what to make of that situation right now. I mean, I think that place is about as stable as you can be as far as, you know, college sports and sort of plug and play. Um, and I think Brett Venables is a good coach. But past few weeks has been really, really bad. So I'm not sure if that doesn't improve what kind of happens um, in Norman. But, I mean, at the moment, it seems like West Virginia and surprisingly OU are really the only two teams that I think can't beat anybody in the league. I believe everybody else is pretty evenly matched. So, um, yeah, I think the parity. And then the other thing I've noticed is, it seems like we might be trending back towards an offensive league again. I mean, for a yeah, while, you know, for a few years, it was very defensive heavy. And um, we saw Dave Aranda coming at Baylor, and he had that thing rolling, and Mike Gundy had sort of changed his course Oklahoma State. But it seems like there's fireworks again, which I think could be good, you know, for the future of the conference moving forward if they have a clear identity. But um, it's been fun, and I think it's only going to get better as, as the season progresses. Yeah, I would throw Iowa State in there too. Uh, I just feel like their offense is not yeah, good yeah. enough to beat. I know they played Kansas State close, but like, man, their defense could keep them in most games. But like, do you ever feel like they're about to go down and score in a big moment? I just don't feel like that. Um, John, your impressions of the league this year and its depth. Uh, and also, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about this some too, but like, I would say a good analogy of this is Jalen Daniels. I know he's out. We saw Jason Bean ball out last week. Kansas is one of the ranked teams in the conference, and they're going to Oklahoma 
who's 0-3 in the league and been crushed the last two weeks. And Oklahoma is still like an eight-point favorite. So, uh, you know, we're not sure what to make of this league, and it seems like Las Vegas is not sure what to make of this league, although they did nail that TCU-Kansas line basically perfectly. So uh, your thoughts about, about the Big 12 as a whole? Yeah, I mean, Bet Online also had the Kansas State Iowa State line perfect as well. They one, had, yes, yeah, minus one for Kansas State, and it was a one point win for Kansas yes. State. Uh, you just never see that. Um, I, it's just a deep league. It's incredibly deep, and it's really kind of fun to watch. Unless you're an Oklahoma fan, right now, like there's a lot of really intriguing matchups that are playing out on Saturdays across the conference. Again, unless you're Oklahoma, you know, yes. at, at this point, Oklahoma's like, let's just hope we run into a team that's not so offensive. Uh, but yet we got Kansas coming to town uh, this Saturday. But I mean, I still think there's about six different teams that can win this win this thing. Steven didn't talk about TCU, but I think they're about as good as the league gets right now, too. Like that offense is just flying and they're they're playing really really well Kendrick Miller who kind of sat behind Zach Evans and you got a little bit of a taste of him last year he's a really good runner Max Duggan I don't know how Chandler Moore's beat him out in fall camp because he's <laughs> playing phenomenal football right now it, it's just all coming together for him at the right time and it's just been really really kind of it wasn't fun to watch two weeks ago but that game against Kansas was a lot of fun to watch this past Saturday I mean that's this is really, really good football. You know, he, he mentioned Oklahoma State, and I don't think we can count Baylor out yet either. Right. You know, yes, they've got the loss to BYU. They got the loss uh, to Oklahoma State, but they're still right in the thick of this. So I think there's six teams that could really make a run at the Big 12 title game. And, you know, Oklahoma State is going to have a chance to make a run at a playoff. TCU, I think, still has a chance. Depending on what Kansas does from here on out, I mean, they if they can win out, I mean, who knows what happens with them. But yeah, Texas is right there. They looked really, really good against Alabama. Even without Quinn Ewers, they lost a heartbreaker to Texas Tech, and then they just whomped uh, Oklahoma. I, if I kind of had the take on Twitter today, if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, I think they're undefeated, and you're looking mm -hmm. at a potential playoff contender right now. So incredibly deep league. Even Texas Tech, who you know didn't beat Oklahoma State, they played really, really well against them. I think there's you know. Steven mentioned it. A lot of teams can beat pretty much anybody, but I think there's six legit teams right now that can vie for the big 12 title. Yeah. Baylor is a good shout because you know, the one thing Baylor has got is I feel like once again, the identity is not clear, but their schedule is really nice. They've got West Virginia on the road, tough game, Kansas at home, tough game, tech on the road, tough game, Oklahoma on the road could be a tough game, but like that is a stretch where they could rip off, you know, a few wins in a row here and get themselves back on track and kind of, you know, really discover themselves uh, and kind of find that team identity. And you, know, you also mentioned with Texas Tech, too. It's a great point because Tech is like, if you beat Texas Tech, you are a certified good football team because their schedule, I mean, they've, you know, they've played like every tough team imaginable. They're not even done yet, right, with their, their Big 12 schedule, obviously. But, like, they've played challenging teams in Houston and NC State, and they've played Oklahoma State and, and Texas. I mean, they've played a who's who, really, and they're so, I mean, they're, they're battle tested. Everybody feels battle tested. Um, Steven, uh, you know, just about the, the Max Duggan point, kind of where TCU is heading into this week. Um, the, the intermediate passing was a lot better, right? Like, that was the one thing, like, like he was really good this past weekend, I thought for the most part, of distributing the football and getting it out. Now, the downfield stuff, like you and I have talked about this a bunch, like, he's actually a pretty good downfield thrower. He's been a pretty mm -hmm. good downfield thrower. That one throw to Tay Barber was like, I mean, oh my God, that was a, just a rocket that he put. I mean, he basically knocked Tay Barber backwards where he put the football. Unbelievable. So I, I think because the defense, I'm not sure it's very good. 
Um, this team will probably go as far as Max Duggan and the offense will take them, but they've got a ton of skill. And I mean, there's a reason why they're favored this week. I think I think they should be favored against Oklahoma State. They do have a ton of skill, and it's funny, you know, they scored 38 points in that game against KU, and they had 10 points about midway through the second or midway through the third quarter. So they really didn't play super well for a half and then halfway through the third quarter before taking over. But yeah, Duggan's been incredible. You know, he said something interesting this week. Um, one, just talking about how the big step forward for them has simply been that they have continuity across the offensive staff. Like the offensive staff is on the same page and what they want to do. They have a pretty clear identity. But then also he said that he's not focused on throwing a perfect ball this year, but he's trying to just throw a catchable ball. Like he's trying mm. to let these receivers go up and make plays. Um, the offensive line hasn't been amazing, but they've done enough uh, to, to hold up and allow him a clean pocket. But yeah, the transformation has been crazy. You know, John mentioned it like Chandler Morris won the starting job yeah. and played that, you know, first half plus against Colorado. And then Max came in and hasn't relinquished the job since. Um, and they finally got Quentin Johnson involved last week. He had over 200. Yeah, they, they, they made it the point, didn't they? I mean, he had 12 catches going to the game. They, there was, it was like back to back to back plays. Like, all right. The guy probably needs a breather at this point. I mean, we know what you're trying to do, but it was, that was his game was something else, wasn't it? Well, and it's a weird thing to say about them. I, I don't really feel like a lot of people realize it going into the year, but you know, fans have been sort of telling me like, Oh, we got to get this guy involved, this guy involved. But they're so deep at receiver right now yes. that I just think like all year long, you're going to look at the box score and say, Oh, they should have gotten Darius Davis more touches or Gunnar Henderson or Savion Williams. They really do have a, a number of dudes there. And Kendra Miller is running the ball. Well, um, you know, they got some good secondary backs like Amari Di Mercado. They do feel like a team that can score on anybody at the moment, and that should help them stay in games. You know, they have two back-to-back tough games at home against Oklahoma State and K-State, so they'll have a chance to prove that they're a Big 12 title contender if they can win both of those games, certainly. But even if they could split, it's a sellout this Saturday at the Carter. I think there's a good chance they come out and find a way to win. But they're already way past my expectation for year one under Sonny Dykes. And I think his too, you know, he was telling people before the season, he thought they could be a bowl team. And that was sort of like a good benchmark for them. Right. And well, they already have five wins. So if you're just scraping bowl eligibility at this point, then it's been a pretty disappointing second half of the season. Yeah. I mean, let's see. They had, what, who is the non-conference Tarleton, Colorado and SMU, right? SMU, yeah. So, you know, it wasn't like it was, uh, we're going through the, the trials and tribulations. No, SMU's not sure. bad, but like, I'm not really sure how good of a team SMU actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, fu- they're really fun to watch. I'll tell you that they're a lot of fun to watch. They, they do a good job. I think early in games of punching teams in the mouth. They, it feels like a time to get away from the run, but it's not a, I guess it's not a bad thing. Right. So, um, that's really interesting way they do it, but yeah, I'm fired up for this game. One of the teams they crushed on their way to their five and zero start is, is Oklahoma. I, I have rarely have I seen like, usually there are reasons for when, when stuff like this happens, right? Nebraska's got its reasons. Miami has its reasons. You know, Florida State for a time had had its reasons, at least as of late. Like I, I don't really know what the reason is right now for Oklahoma. Is because they got some talent, but they're not very deep. They have some good coaches and coordinators, but the game plans aren't great. Like, what's going on, John? Just, just what's going on? How are you? I mean, feeling? if we can boil it down to something simple, it's kind of what you just mentioned about you know, TCU coming out and punching people in the mouth early in games. Yeah. I feel like Oklahoma has been out physical uh, in the last three games against Kansas state, TCU and Texas is a big part of it, especially up front. They do have some talent. They absolutely do, but it just doesn't seem like it's cohesive right now. And it doesn't seem like 
what the coaches are asking them to do is what's necessarily being done on the football field. You know, I, I can point back to a couple of weeks ago uh, against the Kansas State Wildcats when they, you know, Adrian Martinez had a third and 16 rumbles off for 55 yards. Brent Venables talks about there's supposed to be a spy on that play and there wasn't. So there's there's some kind of disconnect that's happening, whether it's, you know, from the practice field to the game field, whether it's from the you know film room to the field. It, it's hard to know exactly. A lot of it is we're maybe trying to just boil it down to the fact that, okay, it was going to be a bit, a rebuilding year. A lot of us, myself included, didn't see it as such. We thought, okay, there should be still enough talent because you're the university of Oklahoma that you should be able to kind of tread water at least, and, and still stay competitive in games. What's happened the last three weeks is not that. And it's hard to really put a finger on what exactly it was uh, this past week in Texas. I mean, offensively, they couldn't do anything because they didn't have a quarterback. They, they trusted to throw the football. And so they came out with a wildcat game plan and once it kind of started not working, they didn't really have anything else going for them. You know, they were trying to be aggressive going forward on fourth down. It just didn't work. But defensively, it's kind of been the biggest issue is, and maybe it just comes down to a, a simplicity, a simplicity that is all these guys for the most part were recruited to play under Alex Grinch in a different defensive right. scheme. I hate to boil it down to something that simple because I mean, these are still football players. A lot of scheme is it crosses over. There's a lot of like blending between defensive systems and offensive systems. And so there shouldn't be too much of a, of a decline. You don't expect them to go from, you know, middle of the pack defensively in the country to becoming one of the worst defenses in the country, especially after they play after the way they played the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, the run defense is atrocious. It It's bad. It's bad, bad. And that was one of the elements of this defense that you thought could be a little bit better with some of the guys they brought in through the transfer portal. Um, just kind of sizing up on the edge as well. And it just hasn't played out that way. So it, it's hard to put a finger on one thing in particular. There's a lot of different things going on defensively that just aren't working right now. But I think for the most part, most people still believe that Brent Venables is the right hire that they're with time. He is going to be able to turn this thing around and, and get them back to playing competitive football, back to being a conference title contender. The question is how long that's going to take. I, I'm kind of beginning to put my, my expectation around 2024, maybe even little, you know, 2025, because mm. you know, 2022 didn't get a full recruiting class had two months to build that class. 2023 is going to be his first recruiting cycle. We won't see those guys for the most part until the 2025 season. You know, if kind of things project out that way, sophomore year is probably when they start or sophomore junior they're year is when they really shopping. start to, they're going to, they're going to go, they're going to portal shopping. Yeah, they'll have to, but they did a little bit of that this past this past cycle as well. And a lot of the guys that we did get the transfer portal haven't really contributed a whole lot, except for, you know, left guard, McKay Matire. He's played really well. Dylan Gabriel, he's played well for the most part, had some ups and downs. Um, and that's kind of really it. If you look at their transfer portal guys, Jeffrey Johnson's been a really good one tech for him, but it's his ability to eat up space and eat up blocks. Hasn't translated to Oklahoma playing really good run defense as a, as right. a team. And so, there's a lot of different things happening, missed tackles, missed assignments, you know, the Kansas state game and the TCU game, tons of blown coverages, just guys just making poor choices, whether it's in the read option game or in their zone assignments against Texas, they didn't give up as many big plays. There weren't really like busts in the coverage, but still Texas was able to hit them just because they've got a lot of skill talent out there. And, and they got Bajan Robinson who by himself forced 11 missed tackles. So that that's going to, that's going to cause things to look bad for you defensively, but it's a lot of bad right now. Um, and the hope is that they can start to just even play competitive football. Like 
that's kind of where my expectation is at for the Oklahoma Sooners now uh, after six weeks is like, just be competitive. Even if you don't win games, get back to being competitive, quit getting blown out. That's, that's kind of my first step right. for the Oklahoma Sooners. And, and it's wild to even be at this point, considering what we were looking at three weeks ago when they go into Lincoln and just absolutely roll the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, and I think one thing you mentioned was defense too. And I just want to have this real fast. Like I think Joe Gillespie did a pretty good job of not, not making it too complicated. Right. Like Steven, there's probably, there's probably some elements of that defense that he did not fully implement yet. And that's Sonny Dykes even said as much like they're playing fast right now. That's what we like about them. It, it, it's because it it's a big group of veteran guys who just played for GP and they bring a new DC and they're, you know, so I think the simplification can be something that happens. And I understand why like, I got like BV is a DC, you know, and, and by trade and wants to get all that stuff in, but sometimes it takes a bit more time to integrate with that stuff, Steven. No, I think that's a great point. And I feel like, you know, the, the guys have said that they said, because Gary was so intent on the four, two, five. And I mean, the whole point of it in a lot of ways was that you had three levels of the defense doing three different things. Right. And you wanted to be able to keep up with these fast paced offenses. And it was very intricate. So I think the simplicity has helped. And I also believe like the more I've thought about this, I really think Sonny Dykes has been planning to take over this job for a couple of years. I don't know like if he would say that, but in 2017, he was an analyst at TCU. And he said like that season, he was suddenly like, Oh, like there's facilities here. There's an opportunity. Like they made a point in 2019 and 2021 to when he was at SMU to beat TCU on their home field. And I just feel like he's like, he's had a plan for if he got this job, what he wanted to do with it for a while. I, I just sense that the results way they check out with that. <laughs> yeah. The way that they built this coaching staff, he's sort of been preparing for this um, maybe the last few seasons, even while he was there at SMU. Quick word from our sponsors today. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline, BetOnline.net. It's the best place for you guys to find all of your sports action, not just college and pro football. They've got NBA, which is just returning now, NHL, which is back now as well, boxing, F1, NASCAR, World Cup is coming up. I mean, guys, there's so much to bet on at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. Go there today, BetOnline, that's where the game starts. All right, so I want to touch on the, the Jalen Daniels situation, and, and Derek Johnson locked on Jayhawks host. We'll sure be covering this, but just as media people, this is a weird one, right? This was a really kind of odd one. Zach Boyer, who um, has done some writing, I think, for KCSports.com uh, and, and and maybe for the Lawrence Journal World, I'm not 100% sure on that, said that Jalen Daniels, the quarterback for um, Kansas, is out for the season. Now, nobody else – has been able to confirm this at this point. We even saw Jalen Daniels say, this is news to me. We also saw uh, Sonny Dykes. We also saw Lance Leipold post the video of Jalen coming in. It's my belief that we're looking at probably four to six weeks here. It's also my belief he's probably done. Look, they didn't say, they didn't come out and say no. They said it's a week to week thing. Um, I, I, uh, I get the sense his shoulders pretty banged up. That's kind of the that's kind of the indicators that I'm seeing. So look, I I don't want to bury Zach Boyer and say that he's wrong. It's just that nobody else can confirm it. So he might just have a source that nobody else has. Somebody that might say, "Hey, we're we're kind of leaning towards this. Um, this is our expectation." Just kind of a weird situation all around, John. Especially 
for your Sooners who play them this week. Um, you know, you know it's Jason Bean, right? I, I mean, I think we knew that regardless of whether he comes back or not, it's Jason Bean this week. But it's kind of a weird situation overall, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is a bit weird. I think this is probably just one of those situations where a coach didn't want doesn't want anything definitive out there because he wants to be able to keep that in his back pocket to just mess with opposing defensive coordinators. Just like, Hey, you might have to prepare for Jalen Daniels, you know, sometime in November or in the big 12 title game, or, you know, just that thing where like, kind of like what Oklahoma did last week with Dylan Gabriel. And even though I think most people expected that he wasn't going to play, he's still going through warmups. He went through, you know, drills with the first team offense just before the game. And then ultimately didn't play. It, It could just be one of those, Hey, we haven't said anything definitive on it yet. So nobody really knows anything except for us. And right. that's the way we're wanting to keep it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, Steven, what did you make of this? This is like the first real kind of like odd adverse situ- situation thing to have. I mean, we get a lot of weird stories in college football. So this is not like, mm-hmm. this is not pole assassin. Um, no, this is, this is much more towards like the kid, the journalism kids at OU last year on top of the building, see who was getting more reps, Sanders or Williams. This is much more towards that, but still like that's a weird story. So what do you make of the first weird kind of adversity type deal KU's facing here? Yeah, it's been strange. I think another odd subplot to it is that Zach Boyer hasn't followed up on the report. Like right. he tweeted this out and then Daniels and Leipold push back. And typically, a reporter will say, hey, I'm standing by my source. He hasn't done that to this point. I mean, I, I'm sort of with John. I think most likely they're not ready to say he's done for the year, and they can basically slow play this on a week-to-week basis and leave the door open them coming back. But it seemed like a pretty significant injury. I mean, he went down right before halftime, and they knew before the half was over that he wasn't going to play the rest of that game against TCU. Um, so it's unfortunate for him. I mean, I feel bad for Jalen Daniels. I will say though, like Jason Bean can spin it and Dude. that offense sort of took a new dimension. Like, I feel like they caught TCU flat footed because they were so caught up in stopping the run game and the triple option and all the motion. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're still motioning on every play and still doing a lot of window dressing, but now they're doing it through the air. So I still think there's potential for KU. Now, obviously they're going to face stouter defenses there's going to be film week to week that's going to make this more complicated, uh, but I'm I'm definitely not willing to count them out. I hope Daniels can come back. I don't think he will, uh, but it's it's also strange to me. Like if Boyer is a normal, you know, beat reporter for this team, and this is still a program that doesn't get a ton of coverage, not sure it's the best plan to just completely bury this guy if you're Kansas. But yeah. I understand the power dynamic here, and and they're going to try to keep this close to the vest. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's definitely weird and interesting. And, and about Jason Bean, like the one interception, I've got no idea what happened on that play. Yeah, no clue what he was I doing. Mean, absolutely, he just floated no clues on the ball too. Was, I, just for a guy who was throwing lasers all day, he's like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'll take this one off. I'm just kind of lollipop it up there. But he likes throwing the run. He can throw. I mean, he can throw a, a nice ball, and also he's really fast. Like, I think when we talk about Jalen Daniels is a, is a bit more the lateral quickness, a bit more there. Jason Bean kind of hits one direction and like it goes and he's the sliding's not excellent. You know, not a, I know he's, I think people said he played baseball maybe or something like that. I know, I know he ran at least, but like he gets, he's, it's like Daniel Jones. He's so fast in one direction that the call, the fall is always going to look weird and awkward. So uh, I'm very fired up to watch Jason Bean this week. It sucks Jalen Daniels is out, but 
I'm actually fired up to watch him this week. I think it should be very, very interesting, especially considering the line on that game. Um, speaking of what I'm not fired up to watch Jason. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Hey, look, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll double check this thing right now. We have here our friend, the bet online. This, this number is up to nine, which yeah. is, you talk about what this is. Is this Man. the weirdest spread of the college ball season? It's got yes. it. Yeah. I thought Assume- for sure it would come down. It seemed like the perfect, like, okay, you, somebody gets in and OU at seven or something like that. But then by the end of the week, it's K it's like, a pick em game or maybe OU at three. I can't believe it's going up. This is very strange. So to me, it's like the, it can't get worse for Oklahoma. They're at home playing Kansas. I mean, when's Back the last time Kansas yeah. beat them in Norman, John? Uh, 1997. Okay. Back so at the, uh, the end of the, the John Blake era. It's that like is right in the middle of John Blake era. That's, that is, that is crazy. Yeah. Um. So, it's not like there's no precedent for it at all, right? Like it, it has, it is, I mean, it has happened. Not in your it's lifetime. Just a, it's just a bizarre. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I guess the one point, but like it's just bizarre, right? It's like so it's, bizarre. It's just a bizarre line. It's. Bizarre. I think Vegas is thinking that they just, you know, eventually it's got to switch. Yeah, and and that could be it. I mean, they do get Dylan Gabriel back, which definitely helps their offense. Kansas's defense isn't very good, so I could see the this line of thinking like, okay, Oklahoma is going to get back. To rolling, they're going to score some points. Kansas isn't going to be able to stop them, but I just don't know if Oklahoma minus nine makes any sense. Like even when it was Oklahoma minus six and a half, that didn't make a right. lot of sense to me. Because what have you seen from this team in the last three weeks that has you believing that they're going to win by a touchdown against anybody? Let alone a Kansas Jayhawks team that's actually played really good football and played really good football even with Jason being their backup quarterback who might be the 11th best quarterback in the conference, or maybe even a top 10 quarterback in the conference right now. It, it that one baffles me and it still baffles me. And I I'll, I'll admit it here freely that I definitely took Kansas in those points uh, over at bet online. I would too. I mean, I mean like, come on now. We Money's have, we money. have, like, like what's going to like, what, what's, Come on now. We have to. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, I, Oklahoma just, might win. Too. No, I, know, like, I think I'm, Oklahoma I, can win. I just don't no, no, think no, they're no. going to win by nine. I'm with, you. I'm with you on this too. Like they're giving over a touchdown. And if we watch that offense, like there's, they don't want their quarterback. They're back they, to throw the football. They don't want right. them to, right. which is a, which is a huge problem to me. Speaking of which guys, we have, we do have a game that we have to, I want to get that, um, a pick in and on from all of you. Cause this is my Thursday show. So not going to have a full extensive breakdown. I'll tell you what, this game to me is is very fascinating. Not just saying that because I am the locked on Big Twelve host, but think about it like this: If Baylor is going to be that team we all mentioned, right, the one that could hey stick our noses back in this thing, rack up some wins, and get ourselves back into Big Twelve title contention, this is the one they have to have. And for West Virginia, they have not lost to Baylor um, in Morgantown yet. It does not happen. They've had their number there in Morgantown as long as as long as they've been there. Big part of this is CJ Donaldson cleared concussion protocol, but he is not going to play in this game. So I think that's why West Virginia is getting three and a half. You know, this is one of those games that could really swing the season. I think for the Mountaineers, they've had a very, very challenging schedule. It's been very much up and down, but for them, like if they win this game, a bowl game for them is not out of the question, but they need to win this football game. And that could be paramount in what we're talking about, Neil Brown's future for them. So it's huge there. And then for Baylor to swing the pendulum back in their direction, because let's be honest, their best win right now is Iowa State. That's not a great win, you know, in no offensively, they were actually really good in that game. They they did some of the best work anybody's done against Iowa State's defense all year. 
But this game, guys, I know it's weird. Thursday night game, FS1, right? While the NFL is on and playoff baseball is on. But I'll be dialed in. Steven, your thoughts about Baylor, West Virginia, and you have a pick for this game. Yeah, it's a good point about West Virginia's success in Morgantown against Baylor. And it's really hard for me on a Thursday night to pick against them. I remember Matt Rule's team going there on a Thursday night uh, a few years back and just getting shell-shocked by the Mountaineers. But all that being said, I think Baylor, you know, with some extra time to prepare, um, will be ready for this road trip. Dave Randall have this team ready to roll. Uh, I think Blake Shapin has had some consistency issues, but he's figuring this thing out. More importantly, I feel like they'll be able to run the football. And then that Baylor defensive line against the West Virginia offensive line, I really like that matchup for the Bears. So I'll take Baylor and the to cover the spread um, against WVU on a, a tough road trip on a Thursday night to, to Morgantown. John. Yeah, I think for the reason that Steven mentioned there at the end, just Baylor's defensive front against West Virginia, is we've seen JT Daniels under a lot of pressure, even in you know at different points in the non-conference game, you know, play. And at times it hasn't looked great when he was under pressure. And so I think that it's going to be a close game, but I do think Baylor kind of pulls away late. It's going to be something like, I don't know, 27, 20, but I think, I think you're right. Blake Shapin is starting to figure things out a little bit towards the end of that Oklahoma state game. He was starting to kind of put some things together, even though he had the, the one interception that kind of sealed it for them, but a young quarterback still kind of finding his way. But if they can get the ground game going, if they can kind of slow things down, take the crowd out of, out of it a little bit, then I think it's going to be a win for Baylor. Yeah, I think it has to be. The, the hook is what scares me here, but I, I think it has to be a win for Baylor. Um, do they have any chance to become anywhere near the team they were preseason expectation-wise? They have to win this game. All right, folks, where can people find you all and your work and all of its variety? Steven. I'm at Steven on Twitter. The show is at LockedOnTCU. Locked on Horn Frogs is the name of the show wherever you get your podcast. We're also on YouTube, so I'd love for you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And that's locked on Horn Frogs. John. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. And the show is at Locked on Sooners uh, on Twitter and Facebook. You can also follow the show on YouTube, uh, Locked on Sooners, or wherever you get your podcasts. You guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show at LO Big 12, YouTube, and wherever you find your podcast. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure. We'll talk to you all soon.